Welcome back to another episode of Data Science at Home podcast. I'm Francesco, podcasting from the regular office of Amethix Technologies based in Belgium. In this episode, we speak about the data mesh. What is the data mesh? Do we need it? Will it replace the other types of infrastructure that one might have already in place? For example, the old good data warehouse or the data lake. So stay with me because I'm going to make this episode self-contained as always. And I will start explaining indeed what is the data mesh? What do we mean by data mesh? Well, if I want to give a definition of the data mesh, um, in fact, there is no, much, no, no, no such definition, I would compare it more to the, um, to the concept of the microservice architecture, right? And it's essentially, uh, you know, the equivalent of the microservice for data, right? So what is a microservice? We have discussed what a microservice and what monolith architectures are and why we should prefer one rather than the other in another episode on this show. But essentially, the concept of microservice is to have a service, well, a a set of services that perform certain tasks kind of in an independent way and uh, in a pretty much decentralized fashion. And stay with me when I say decentralized, because these days we hear about decentralization and federation and and all these concepts pretty much with, for example, blockchain technologies, but that's, uh, that doesn't have anything to do with that. It's just a concept. So the concept of having a service or a, or a number of services that can be spawned um, independently from each other, and then somehow they get orchestrated and uh, provide the complex functionality that, that, we, that we need or we want. So that's the concept of the uh, microservice. And we have seen the big players here always, you know, kind of the pioneers of uh, this new uh, type of architecture um, that was pretty much in contrast with the monolith architecture uh, in which uh, indeed everything is uh, running on the same cluster or the same machine. And so there is no, not so much communication among services because they are all in the same place. That kind of, you know, a 10,000 feet view of what a monolith architecture is. If you want to make an analogy between the concept of microservice for architectures and an equivalent for data, that's when the data mesh comes in, in, into play. Um, because the concept of data mesh is um, a type of data platform in which uh, data can be decentralized in a way. And, um, and also uh, all the types, all the transformations and the manipulations and the, the pre-processing and usually happened in a centralized fashion are now decentralized. And so there are, let's say, different domains that take care of their own data. If I want to give a, let's say, an architecture of the data mesh, the data mesh is composed of several actors or um, components in a way. Uh, For example, we have namely uh, data warehouses or, you know, the the data sources, essentially, where the the raw data is sitting. um, And that's pretty much very mature technology there. Uh, We can have S3 buckets, we can have on-premise storage, we can have cloud storage, you name it. Then we have, of course, a data infrastructure as a platform, and more on that later. And finally, we have a bunch of domains that is agents or actors that are responsible. And in fact, they are the owners of the data under their control. 
So you would, you would start seeing essentially a number of different domains and each of these domain owns a part of the data or a data source or a manipulation pipeline or a pre-processing pipeline and so on and so forth. This might sound kind of similar to what we already have or might be thinking of, but essentially it's fundamentally different in terms of responsibilities and in terms of ownership due to the fact that with a data mesh you tend you have the tendency to federate data ownership among domain data owners who are of course accountable for providing their data as products and uh, and this means that if i provide data as a product and not a byproduct as it is now it means that i am responsible of all the things related to the data I am the owner of. And so, for example, ETL pipelines, uh, data cleaning pipelines, pre-processing pipelines, uh, manipulation functions, etc., etc. Anything that pertains the data under my control and my ownership is indeed part of my set of responsibilities as the domain owner, right? Now, what happens is that we, as I said, we will have multiple domains. So think about a relatively large organization in which we have several departments, for example, sales, retail, financial, you name it. So all these domains within the same organization and even across organizations, if there are consortia, for example, all these departments are kind of, you know, siloed in a way. But the problem is that we want to have an, some sort of interconnectivity across different domains. And so we would like to share, for example, certain data from one department to the other. Not only that, we would like to uh, manipulate pre-processed data in a particular way. And who better than the domain owner knows the data under their control? So that's kind of the concept behind the data mesh, is that if you are the owner of the data, or if the data is logically connected to your role in the organization, well, then it means that you are also responsible of all the transformation pipelines, the ETL, fetching, manipulation, pre-processing, etc. Rarely does a day pass where a ransomware attack, data breach, or state-sponsored espionage hits the news. It's hard to keep up or know if you are protected. But don't worry. Kaspersky's got you covered. Each week their team discusses the latest news and trends that you may have missed during the week on the Transatlantic Cable Podcast, mixing in humor, facts, and experts from around the world. The Transatlantic Cable Podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Go check it out. And what's going to happen is that, of course, you're, you cannot live in your silo because that's exactly what we wanted to avoid. For example, after years and years of data lake technology, we started creating these silos among departments of the same organizations. The data mesh wants to avoid that by the interoperability and the a form of standardization of communications. Because underlying each domain, there is a universal set of data standards that indeed will help facilitate collaboration between domains and across domains if necessary. And this is where the data infrastructure as a platform comes in because essentially that is the common ground to all the domains that are built on top 
Um, so the data infrastructure as a platform works hand in hand with so-called universal interoperability that allows communication across different domains. Pretty much like it happens for, for example, in um, microservices, uh, each data domain can define and usually must define and agree on uh, service level agreements and quality measures or observational metrics uh, that they will guarantee to whoever is going to consume their data. So it's true that as a domain owner, I'm responsible of my data, I'm responsible of the transformations of my data, but at the same time, I have to maintain a certain, you know, certain guarantees in term via service level agreements, for example, that my consumer, it's kind of a contract with my consumers or the consumer of my data uh, so that we have no surprises and we have a form of standardization whenever we want to move this data across the organization or from one domain to the other. So it's kind of a, you know, the best of both worlds between, uh, for example, the data lake and the fully decentralized way of, uh, uh, of manipulating data. And I think that it makes perfect sense. This is probably one of the rare cases in which uh, the concept of decentralization actually makes a lot of sense because one essential benefit of having an architecture of you know, data mesh is that you're going to uh, you know, decentralize ownership of the data, but at the same time you enforce certain guarantees whenever that data and that domain still belong to the same architecture, to the same mesh. And this will allow you to eliminate almost completely that bottleneck that you would have, for example, in the data lake, whenever you want to uh, share data or manipulate raw data in different ways, right? Or query different data uh, or the same data from different actors, from different departments. All of a sudden, the centralized version of the data lake uh, will become a bottleneck. Right? So as more and more departments in your organization are putting data and storing data in the same lake, well, all of a sudden the lake becomes uh, essentially the bottleneck, not just in terms of storage, but also in, also in terms of functionality, also in terms of number of queries that you are going to execute. Because you know, the more data you have, the more chances you have to run queries on different data, but the different data is actually sitting and centralized in the same infrastructure, right? And so even access controls as completely centralized in the data lake. In the data mesh, this is not true anymore. So everything is kind of decentralized. Ownership is decentralized. Responsibilities are decentralized, of course, to the domain owners, right? But the domain owners cannot just perform their own rules, but they have still to agree and provide service level agreement. They still have to provide guarantees for whoever is going to consume their data as a product. The concept of the data mesh is something in between indeed. And that I think is something extremely interesting because it takes the analogy of, for example, the blockchain. Uh, in, in a blockchain system, what happens is that you have a blockchain um, and the blockchain, the blockchain has rules that everybody has to respect, right? Nobody can violate because otherwise you are going to compromise the consistency of the entire blockchain. And so what you do there is that, you know, by consensus, anybody is respecting the rules. But at the same time, identity, your wallet, everything that is that pertains the single 
account or individual is running on a device, is running at your place, and you are you know, responsible for that. And so you can also you know, extend functionality with so-called off-chain computation. That is, whatever you want to calculate on your data, on your wallet, let's say, you can do it off-chain, but when you put it back to the blockchain, well, then you have to guarantee the consistency of your computation. No, that's how essentially that's how Ethereum works, but pretty much any blockchain system works out there. So the concept that I see, you know, I see that type of analogy in the in the data mesh example. I see a very interesting analogy with blockchain systems, though again, it has nothing to do with blockchain. But it's a very good example for those who are familiar with the concept of blockchain, of course, and not very much with the, the concept of data mesh, which is a pretty new terminology, I understand. What does this mean? Do we have to throw away the data warehouses that we have or the data lakes that we have been building for years? No, of course not. Because as always, these are technologies that are pretty convenient, but they always also depend on the requirements that you have in your organization and also the characteristics of your business. Uh, there is no one-size-fits-all architecture or data platform that can indeed suit everyone out there. And so there are a number of questions that you should be asking yourself or to your organization. For example, what's the size of your data team? How many data domains do you have in your organization? How many data engineering bottlenecks do you have? Uh, do you have to manage data governance issues? How many data sources do you deal with? These are all questions that will definitely give you a hint if you are in the, let's say, data mesh spectrum, or if you can just keep sitting on your data lake or on your data warehouse, or even a simpler system uh, would uh, be sufficient. So as always, technologies are cool, especially when you know, there are new ways to solve old problems and probably in a, in a more efficient way. I mean, that's indeed the purpose of all this. But don't jump immediately into the data mesh universe because many times people don't need such systems. And uh, don't look at the big players out there who are probably already using concepts or already borrowing concepts from the data mesh ecosystem. Uh, don't just adopt these things just because the others or the big players are doing that and you blindly believe that they're always right. Um, they might be, but they also have different characteristics in their business. They have different requirements. And so you want to analyze your requirements at a deeper level before jumping on a new technology like indeed data mesh, for which I have to say there is not so much yet because you know it's a new thing. It's a new concept, though it reuses a lot of the concepts and components that we are used to um, and we are familiar with, uh, that's for sure. But don't jump restructuring your data warehouse or data lake just because, hey, there is a new thing and it's the mesh, I want to be there. That's exactly what we do at Amethyx Technologies. We can help you designing and finding the best architecture for your organization, and we can help you analyzing the requirements together with you in order to optimize and find the best technology that suits your business. I hope you enjoyed the show, and of course, I invite you to the official channel on Discord. You will find the link in the show notes of this episode, and as always, on the official website, datascienceathome.com. I'll see you there. 
You've been listening to Data Science at Home Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new, fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.